Hey guys, welcome to the Notion Club. Um, today, uh, Ethan and I are going to be talking with the device casting couch um, that consists of uh, Aaron, uh, John, and Ryan. Um, and we're gonna be going over, should data rights be considered human rights? And a little bit more about data in general. But first, Ethan and I just wanted to catch up. It's been a while since we've done Notion Club. Um, yeah, so. How are you doing, Mariah? I'm doing pretty good. Um, recently, I uh, lost a friend, so that's been um, difficult processing. Um, but, you know, um, other than that, pretty well. Mm. Going through the motions. <laughs> yeah. have, you, uh, have you been reading any good books? Yes, I have, actually. Um, because of my recent loss, um, I really realized that I do not know how to process grief all that well. I can process grief, like, uh, from years back and that kind of thing, but um, it's hard to do it in the moment. It's hard to process um, when it's happening around you. So recently, um, I picked up a book by C.S. Lewis, uh, one of my favorite authors. He wrote a, uh, well, it was originally journal entries, um, which later he published under a pseudonym. Um, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, what pseudonym he used, but um, it's called A Grief Observed. And it was really interesting because even though he had uh, lost his wife, and he was processing the loss of a spouse, um, it was helpful to have, it felt like I was processing loss with a friend almost because I am so um, comfortable with C.S. Lewis, I guess, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, it was helpful to process alongside, you know, the anger, um, the regrets, um, those kinds of things. It was nice to see someone who, in my mind, is a great th thinker and uh, writer, and for him to put his emotions out there and question things that a lot of people, you know, for a lot of people it's taboo, like, you know, mm -hmm. questioning God or questioning... Um, Tragedies, like if, yeah. if God is loved, then why why does tragedy happen? Why does death happen? These exactly. Are so it was interesting to go through. I think it was like seventy five pages, but it was really helpful. Um, and I can't believe I've never read it before, honestly. Mm. Um, but it was really it was nice. It was nice Good. to be able to process um, along with someone, even if they weren't truly there <laughs> in person. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's really helpful to have um, books and people as well uh, that you can surround yourself with when you're processing different emotions and situations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we forget to use those tools sometimes in the thick of it. Um, so, yeah. What about you? Have you read anything interesting lately? Yes. Um Nothing, I would say, quite that deep, um, but um, really gotten into the the beat poetry and, and beat literature from the 1940s and 50s in New York City, and so mm. um, I picked up the infamous On the Road by Jack Kerouac, mm. and um, I'm 
only I would say like less than 10 chapters in but it's it's a really really fun and just easy read it's not really a story about much uh, so far I mean I, and from what I gather the book is really just about a guy who hitchhikes across the country mm. from New York City all the way out to um, well right now his destination is Denver I think uh, I actually just left off with him arriving in Denver but um, the the way it's written though is why you read it it's just nobody can describe stopping in a diner and ordering an apple pie the way jack kerouac describes stopping into a diner and ordering an apple pie it's hmm. just very it flows so well um i think the other key to reading this book is reading it out loud and so i i only read this book when i'm like by myself and i can read it out loud because it sounds so well his choice of words and the flow of the book it's just it's music to the ears literally i really struggle with reading out loud um yeah it, i'm not used to it either <laughs> i'm not it feels but... impersonal sometimes so that's that's really interesting that you're doing that <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's more like i'm mumbling it to myself mm. it's there's just something different about hearing the words because it's it's supposed to almost be like a performance I feel mm. the way this book is written and I am enjoying it a lot more than when I do like try to just read it silently because when it's silent, it's kind of boring. Mm. So like, I'm not really interested in um, the texture of the road that they're on right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but getting yourself into a headspace where it's almost like you're, you're sitting down to listen to classical music or something. It's, it's just a pleasant sound by using a, very carefully chosen set of words hmm. and um yeah I'm does it seem it's, more it's personal because it is your voice like what if you were to listen to it on audio or something do you think it well, would carry the same way i i actually there's a great podcast that i heard the other day on uh sam harris's uh making sense i wish i could remember the author or the the guest's name I'll have to put it up later, but he had a poet on. And the poet was also trying to make this point that most poetry is supposed to be uh, performed by the poet. Um, so like going to open mics at for, for, for poetry or um, if somebody gives you a poem, have them read it to you. It's, it's a performance. Mm. And it's... Uh, I'm sorry, what was your question? I'm trying to make a, a point of something here. <laughs> My uh, point was, because you're reading it, it's a personal voice. Oh, right. Is right. it more interesting that way, or do you think... Um... Um, my, I was trying to say, there there are actual recordings of Jack Kerouac um, reading excerpts of the book. And so I've gone and listened to those, and it's like, okay, it makes sense. Oh, um, on Spotify. You yes, sent that yes. to me. I yes. sent you a couple snippets. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess to answer your question, I wish that I could sound like Jack Kerouac because when he's reading it, it's like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. Mm. It's almost like, for me, I can't listen to anybody except the Beatles do Here Comes the Sun. Mm. Not saying I don't like any covers. There are a lot of covers that I really like, but for some reason, that song, like it had to be George Harrison singing it. Hmm. Um, for this book, like, yeah, it's better when I read it to myself, but I think it's even better when I hear Jack Kerouac reading it. Interesting. 
Yeah, I guess I guess that would make sense. Um, there's a few things that I've written, and I don't read them out loud because we've discussed this. I feel very uncomfortable <laughs> about reading my writings out loud, but um, that could just be my own block. <laughs> um, but reading it in my head, like I understand what I'm trying to say. Because yeah. I, I feel yeah. like there's a disconnect between writing something and then, like, reading it back. Um. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Like I said, I'm not used to doing this with, with books either, but um, I definitely had to get used to it with writing songs. Mm. Um, you can make something look good on paper, but for some reason when I'm singing it, it just sounds wrong. There's, there's not the words you want to be using when singing this melody. Huh. Um, and so, yeah, different words can shape the melody differently and, and make it sound. Uh, it can make or break a song, in my opinion, using the right choice of words. Hmm. Anyway, coming up, we have uh, some friends in the podcasting world, um, experts on all things IT and tech. They are called the Device Casting Couch, and um, we were able to interview them this morning and uh, ask them some questions about data privacy. And so I think without any further ado, we can uh, bring in the conversation that we had with the boys. All right, so why don't you boys uh, introduce yourselves to the audience? So I am Ryan from the Device Casting Couch. Uh, with me is Aaron and John. Uh, we run our own podcast uh, focused on tech and security uh, for anyone to listen to if you're interested in uh, shoring up your data protection or just interested in tech in general. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we invited you guys on to the podcast because we recently watched this uh, Netflix documentary called The Great Hack. And uh, we don't really want to get into like the politics of what happened in that documentary. It seemed to me like that was more of a political documentary than anything. Um, but one of the things they kept bringing up in that documentary was data rights. Um, and I think that's kind of what we want to focus on here uh, in this podcast. But yeah. before we do, um, boys, in your mind, what, what do you think of when the term data rights is thrown out? What, what does that mean? Um, when I hear data rights, I think more of like data privacy um, and just in how it's being used and how much control we have on, on what we're giving to the companies. Like with Facebook, there's a terms and conditions that no one ever reads, but in there, they pretty much own everything you post on there. Okay. Yeah. And so like, really, that's what I think is data privacy. People want to have more control on like how it's used, who they share it with, stuff like that. I yeah, I would agree with that. It's for me like data rights is an extension of your personal property. I mean, what you do in your normal day, like if someone followed you around to like the shops you visit on a day-to-day -day basis, like that would be considered stalking, right? Um, then the same thing happens online, but it's allowed because it's considered marketing or or what have you. And uh, I, I believe that that should be an extension of what you do in your normal day-to-day. -day. Like it, it should be considered stalking or what have you. Sure. I would I would I would say data privacy and data rights do go hand in hand, but data rights applies to more private matters. For instance, there are some things in all of our lives that are public 
and there are some things that are private, like HIP information or PCI information. So you just got to think of it like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, another thing that kept, try well, I guess one of the agendas of the documentary was to push this idea that data rights are fundamental rights. Mm -hmm. um, I know this is kind of more of an opinion than anything, but what do you guys think of that notion? I think that's correct. I mean, like I said, if you translated what happens on the internet to everyday life, everyone would agree that it's wrong. Um, and it's, you know, it's considered a fundamental right that you have a right to privacy, right? And on the internet, that seems to be ignored um, because it's, it's new territory and there's not a whole lot of laws that cover it. Um, but I, I would agree, I would agree it's a fundamental right. Yeah, when we talk about uh, data rights and if we specifically mention privacy, privacy is declared a fundamental right um, specifically in Article 12 of the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, so if, if we do carry that over to data, then I would say yes. See, I, I tend to not agree, um, only because your data is, a, is, is very valuable to companies. And in, in this day and age, um, you know, a lot of the things that you do publicly, like for instance, you know, usually your job is public knowledge, you know, um, where you live generally is usually pretty much public knowledge, I mean, to the people around you. Um, I think online we're going into more of an integrated society, and so more of that public information is going to be even wider publicly available. So we can't just go out and say, hey, you can't have anything on me unless I say you can have it because you're using a company's free service. Mm -hmm. So saying that it's a right is not necessarily like feasible in this day and age. Hmm. You mean with like globalization in general? Well, yeah. So like, think about if Facebook started charging, let's say Facebook costs $5 a month, how many people do you really think would pay for it? Like this company's offering a free service and they're making their money off of the data that they sell for marketing preferences. You know, who you might vote for is a good thing. Um, who, you know, what things you might be interested in. And then they can like this type of polling, like they used to do it by phone banks. Now they do it by, you know, collecting like what you like on Facebook, what you click on, what you go to, like what you buy on Amazon. So the world's changing. Like how many calls do you get asking you to fill out a poll now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just none. It's all done online now. All right. So with that though, um, I, I kind of agree with you, uh, Aaron, with um, you're using a free service, they should be able to take at least a certain amount of information from you to um, continue growing their business. Um, but do you think uh, data-driven behavioral change sh happens then in that in that place, or um, is it just strictly? Do you believe that most companies have just their business growth in mind? I think companies themselves are not as cynical as everyone makes them out to be. I think mm -hmm. companies are more about their bottom line profit margin than they are concerned about what you're doing in your house. Their their idea is to target you for something mm -hmm. that they think that you'll be able to do. So, for instance, that is buying something. Mm -hmm. then they're going to try to target you in order to buy things. There are whole companies that do only that. If it is getting you to, you know, go a certain way politically or think a certain way, there are companies that do nothing but that. But even then, even before the online age, there was an entire industry devoted to that. Marketing has been around forever. 
And yeah. now the marketing has just changed to use data-driven approaches and people are alarmed by it. But then again, you know, before the internet was a thing, people were more concerned about whether or not their data was going to be exploited on, you know, these phone-based polls and exit polls when people were at malls handing out flyers asking you to fill out forms and everything like that. There were people worried about that too. And this yeah. is just a further extension of that. <laughs> so if I can interject here, um, I, I guess I would agree to a certain extent. I just think that companies should be able to collect what they need to run their, their business. But I, I don't agree that uh, businesses should be able to basically sell your data to profit without you uh, complying with that. But if you well, agree to the terms and conditions, then they can, correct? Correct, yeah. If you if you agree to the terms and conditions, then then whatever. I mean, that's, that's your own fault. But the way that the terms and conditions are usually written on these websites are intentionally confusing. And no one has time to actually read through the whole thing or the capacity to actually understand it. Mm. Is, is data maybe, you know, uh, well, it is a resource, right? I mean, it's yes. more it's, valuable it's, than, than oil. Yes, correct. Um, it's the most valuable thing on the internet right now. Or on the world, yeah. Maybe, like, mining this data, this resource, it's it's about the intent. What, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? So, with... with when people say like are you mining the data like it's not exactly mining you're you're freely giving it away no one's coming to your house and stealing things from you like you are freely going on facebook posting your locations posting things that you like liking things going on amazon and buying things like i'm a big proponent of self-hosting so like as many things as i can that are open source and i can host myself where i control the outcomes of my data i try to do as much as i can um so i think it's people's ignorance to the fact that of how these companies make money like a lot of people were astonished especially about Cambridge Analytica like how does Facebook make money and a lot of people were shocked to find out that it's through marketing ads and you know selling data to other companies that's yeah. their biggest money maker and people were shocked to find that out but it's like how do you think Facebook makes money handing out a free service like like I said if, if some of these companies started offering you to pay a subscription I guarantee you people would be selling their data left and right. It's either give us your data, everything that you currently give now, or you pay five ninety nine. I guarantee you there'd be very few people paying five ninety nine. But but Aaron, isn't I mean, aren't there more like wouldn't you agree that there's more ethical ways to do this? I mean look at DuckDuckGo, like they're a profitable business, but they don't they don't use your information to sell to other companies. They just use it well, for what makes ads. What makes Facebook so valuable is that the fact that they collect so many data points that they're able to hyper-targeted uh, individuals, and it makes it more successful for people trying to sell something. They, they can see that, oh, you like this, or you search this, you're part of this Facebook group, etc., and they can, they can tailor the ads for those people. And I guess really that's where a lot of the controversy comes in is because how Cambridge Analytica used that. Um, but that, that's what makes them more appealing um, when selling the information to these other um, ad, ad sites and all that. John, can I ask you, um, could you describe like data points a little bit more in depth? Like just well, for like the average person listening? Because I don't understand what they are. It's literally, it's pretty much everything. Every little thing they can get to know about you, your sex, um, your religious preference, your political views, you know, your race, 
Um, sexuality even plays a part in it. I know they like, gay people get targeted for different things. Uh, Subaru actually had a huge marketing thing back in the 90s, and that was even before the internet that focused strictly on um, lesbian females because mm -hmm. they were buying more Subaru Foresters than um, other demographics. Interesting. So they saw a market that they could target and thus yeah. provide. So okay. data points is just every little thing they can get on you. And there's there's tons of them. And I, I listed just uh, you know a handful of them. But it's literally almost everything. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, like I, I guess I'm interested in finding the line. Where, where does collecting that data, those those data points, it's like, is that good marketing or is that evil business? You know, I'd like to, to point out, um, you know, they're not they're not selling like your HIPAA information, which is your healthcare information, or your, you know, your PII, which is mostly covered under HIPAA and PCI compliance. Right. Um, so like none of your credit cards are being sold, you know, yeah. legally, and none of your healthcare information, like nothing about it that would be like, I want this to be kept to myself, like, you know, I, I think people have this confusing aspect where they think that everything that they do online is being sold, and that's not necessarily true. Like, yeah, a lot of it that you're putting on Facebook is being sold, but if you're having a conversation with your doctor over one of these different healthcare apps, that's not being sold. Neither is the fact that you might have, you know, some illness. Like, some people are like, like I, I saw not too long ago an article saying that people were being targeted for different insulin prescriptions at different places. And they think that their healthcare provider did that. That's not true. When you go online and you search insulin prices on, like, let's say, like a website like GoodRx or something, that's most likely where that's coming from. Not that I have that as a fact, but I'm just saying when you put data out there about yourself in the public sphere, you cannot be mad when people use that for better marketing. I don't think so, it's evil business. I think it's just a smarter incorporation of what we already had before. So, Aaron, are you of, like, the mindset that um... – you don't you're not really bothered by any of the data collection that they they do on the internet so i would just say i am bothered but i take the stuff into my own hands and i say i'm going to keep a lot of my data off of the internet okay that is what i do i'm smarter about it you cannot be mad when you are when you don't care about it you're ignorant to it and then it comes back and it's like hey so i found out where you worked and it's like well how did you know that and it's like, yeah. you put it on Facebook and your profile's mm. public. Well, that really is how it is. Um, just everything out there is that you put out there, like every search, like say if you have erectile dysfunction and you look up Viagra, they're gonna start targeting you for that. Mm. Um, it's it's really what you put out there and you know, kind of teaching the public, we are in a, a technology age and it's not gonna slow down. If anything, it's gonna speed up. It, yeah. We just gotta, inform ourselves and make sure we understand what is being sold and what's being collected and how it's being used and what what you're comfortable with like a lot of people still have open facebook pro, uh, yeah. profiles when they can lock yeah. it down so people don't get all the information on them and stuff like that. yeah because i have a lot of friends where i've talked about um this uh particular issue and I came from the mindset, like, I grew up reading a lot of dystopian, like, novels and, like, thinking the future was, like, you know, anything in the future was going to be bad, you know, Big Brother, that kind of thing. Um, and so, to me, when I started listening, or I started, like, The Great Hack, it kind of, like, 
unnerved me. And when I spoke to other friends, they were really not bothered. They were like, I have nothing to hide. Why would I be bothered? But to me, I feel like that's still too lax of a mindset to just freely give all of your information because you do have nothing to hide. Like, I don't know, like, I don't have anything to hide, but I still would prefer some safeguard. Not that I'm, like, of the mindset that, like, you know, Big Brother's out to get me anymore, but it still concerns me because I don't know enough about what they do to feel comfortable with it. So, you know, like, my, my thing with that is, is it's like, no one's coming to your house pointing a gun to your head and saying sign up for facebook or yeah. bang like it's just not happening like so the idea that it's a big brother type situation it's not a government entity mm -hmm. granted the government can definitely use it which i agree there are there are serious privacy concerns with everyone using facebook and should we probably implement some common sense laws yes and i i have a good way of doing that that the financial industry currently uses called the card act where terms and conditions can be laid out in an easy to read way. So prior to 2009, when the card act came out, credit card terms were just ridiculous. You couldn't figure out what interest rates you're paying. It was all this legal mumbo jumbo and Congress came down and was like, nope, none of this anymore. And <laughs> they made it all, if you've ever applied for a credit card loan or anything, it has this black box and you can see everything in it, all the terms and conditions laid out in plain English. That way anyone who can read can understand it. Um, another thing I just kind of want to shout out, I'm not affiliated with them any, um, in any sort of way, but I do think they do a good job, and they're still working on it, but it's called TOSSDR.org, mm -hmm. and they actually look at the terms and conditions of various websites like Google and stuff like that and, and say, like, hey, this is a good company, and they give them a classification from A to E. Um, they say, oh, they, they sell your information for ads, or they collect this, or, or they're actually, they use this, but only for very minimal, like, mm -hmm. uptime purposes and, you know, just making the service better. So, uh, some people can check that out and see if, um, if their website's listed. Like I said, they don't have all of them. They're still working on it, but it kind of lays it out as an easy-to-read thing. Hmm. Uh, another thing, if I, I can to shout to that this, out. Um, and I mean, California, like, you know, if you're if you're really concerned about your data privacy, you should really start using something like um, like a VPN. That way, the geolocation is not as accurate. You know, the cookies aren't necessarily good at tracking anything through a VPN. Like, you have to start doing some common sense things to help yourself. And this is something that anyone can do. I would also highly recommend maybe not signing up for all these social media. So I'll be honest with you, I don't have a Twitter. I have a Facebook that I rarely log into. I don't really log into Instagram. I have geolocation off when I post photos. I don't check in places. So like, am I still participating in the social networks? Yes. But am I providing everyone and anyone everything about me? No. Do I fill in my phone number on Facebook? No. Do I put my emails on there? No. I have the one to log in. Yeah, sorry, Ryan. We didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, <laughs> no worries. I just wanted to add to the, uh, like the readability of the terms and conditions. Um, I spoke about it on, on our podcast, but California is actually, they came out with the, uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act, the CCPA, and one of the, um, one of the instructions in that act says that companies will have to uh, basically lay out their terms and conditions in layman's terms. So basically what that website is doing that, that John mentioned, um, that will become law, or it actually already has become law in California. Uh, Microsoft has already hopped on board and said that they will be fully compliant. Um, other companies are are you know moving their headquarters out of that out of that state and stuff like that to avoid this, mm -hmm. um, but I just want to point that out. Like uh, uh, Aaron said, with uh, common sense laws, they are they are starting to kind of push laws like that. 
um, because I, I do think that that's just kind of a, a common sense thing. Like you, sh I you should be able to read the terms and conditions and understand yeah. what you're signing up for. See, I like that because, I mean, for personally, I don't have the capacity, the brain capacity to go through and read every single thing. Honestly, like with Facebook, I just got off of it because I was just like, I don't understand enough and I don't have the time to look into it. So I'm just not going to be a part of it anymore. Um, but and not to say like anyone who does use it, you know, that's I'm not trying to like knock anyone, but for me, it was just simpler to do that. But I think if it did become more normal for these companies to lay out their terms and conditions, me as an average user, I think would feel more comfortable with using um, these websites. Just cause, I mean, if it's simple, then okay, cool. It shows that they are honest and, you know, with their, their uh, business, uh, ethics or whatever you want to call it for me it's it's just kind of a it's a common sense issue of transparency like if you do want to sell my data or you or you say you want to collect you know my my email or whatever what I like just put it out there and say that and that people yeah. want to use your service they'll use your service rather than mm -hmm. this cloak and dagger thing of burying it in terms and conditions yeah I mean like you said no one has the time or mental capacity to actually go through and read that. I mean, they haven't passed the bar no. exam. They're not going to read through the terms and conditions and actually extract the information. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's just a, for me, it's just a transparency issue of if people want to use your service and it's that good, they'll accept it regardless. I would matter. personally prefer that over like data rights becoming a human rights issue. Like just as long as I can see where the data is going, I don't mm -hmm. mind necessarily. My, that, that's my thing is when I hear things like this is I don't like people equating data rights with what companies do. So for mm -hmm. instance, you can't punish a company for something that you agree to is my big problem. So if Correct. we make the terms and conditions easier to read and then you're mad because Facebook has your email, I'm like, well, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Like that's kind of like going <laughs> to the doctor and that's you have fair. to fill out these forms and then you're mad at the doctor because the doctor has your name. Like you yeah. filled out the form and gave it to me. What do you mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think just with, um, I mean, with the great hack coming out, the way that they spun it was very political, but I think it, it woke people up to thinking like, oh, well, what, I don't want my behavior changed, and I don't want the way that I vote to be um, um, changed because these large corporations decided to, um, you know, campaign certain ads and things, but I don't necessarily see that I don't they were swinging the argument that way but I didn't understand it that yeah. way it just seemed that, like it was something that was happening and we were allowing it to not that, that they were biggest, doing it on purpose my biggest issue with that that documentary was it was very subtle but they were definitely like just trying to inject this feeling into you that that data rights are human rights mm -hmm. without really addressing that issue just, just kind of making that assumption and spinning it away to make you feel that way. And I thought it was a little bit disingenuous because I didn't honestly know how I felt about that issue. Yeah, because up until that point, I didn't really know a whole lot about um, data rights in general, and I still don't. But it was just like, oh, whoa, what are they doing? Like, it kind of scares you a little bit. But then you think about it, and it's just like, wait, these are things that we have given to them. So they do have the right to use it. 
Did you guys watch that documentary? I did. I did. Yes. What did you guys think of it? Uh, I, I saw the political side of it very quickly, um, just yeah. because I'm I'm very active in politics, and I was like, I see the way this is going, and I, I saw the way <laughs> that they're they're looking at data rights as opposed to like how companies view it, and I think the way that companies view it is pretty common sense. They're operating in the environment they're given. Mm -hmm. um, so we blame them for doing what they're doing. Like, if we want to make some common sense laws that reform data privacy, I'm all for that. I'm all for data privacy, but what I don't like is when we try to punish a company for doing something that we knew that they were doing anyways in the back of our heads. Like, we, we knew that Facebook was collecting data. Everybody knew that in the back of their head. Now, did we know to the extent that they were doing it and selling it? Probably mm. not. But then again, people don't understand some of the technology they're using, and I think awareness on how some of this technology works. Like everyone knows the phrase, anything you put on the internet is always gonna be there for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. That truth if I've ever heard it. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. I do wanna mention something real quick. I know we're talking about Facebook a lot, but pretty much every other website out there uses yeah. uh, oh, something sure. very similar. Like Google has a huge um, ad part of their company where they, they use your searches and all their services. Like they, because if you have a Gmail account, they can see what you're getting and it's in their terms and conditions and they can they also hyper target ads and just pretty much any free service you use or any website you go to has something similar to this mm. are there some or some that stand out most to you as far as like not doing the ethical well, thing and then some that are standing out more than others that are doing the right thing so there are uh, privacy-driven um, websites, like as uh, uh, Ryan mentioned, there's DuckDuckGo, which actually uses Google searches, but removes uh, the tracking and everything that goes on yeah. with that. So they just, they have general ads that, that people pay for and everyone sees them, but it doesn't hyper-target you if you like look up, you know, Joe Biden or erectile dysfunction or whatever you're searching for. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's not hyper-targeted and they're still making money but there's other websites out there um, that do. And I, I really just think if people are concerned about their privacy, they just need to go out there and look for um, stuff that does protect their privacy. Um, there's a good website called privacytools.io and it goes over everything of services, uh, browsers, um, operating systems. Um, if people are really considered concerned about their privacy, they, they can. there's stuff you can do to limit your footprint and what gets shared. Yeah, um, Mozilla also, who makes Firefox, obviously, they also have a website. Uh, I believe it's called Privacy Not Included. Uh, if you Google that, it, or don't Google it. Um, but <laughs> if, if you search it, uh, it should come up. They also go over a list of uh, popular uh, tech devices, like Alexa Home or your Apple smartwatch, and they rate them um, based on how much data they actually collect, if they're listening constantly, if the microphone stays on. Uh, they, they run it through tests and they, they have a whole list of, um, of stuff that's safer or unsafer to use. And then obviously you can make your own choice. That's something I have a question with. Um, there's always those memes about like Google listening to like everything. Um, like, you know, or like you think of something and then the next ad that pops up is exactly that thing. Mm -hmm. um, do our devices like necessarily do they listen to us or are they just so good at collecting data that they 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 can show us those targeted ads how does that like work <laughs> are the rumors true so 
I can't remember the exact name, but there has been cases where stuff has been listening in, and a lot of times when that comes out, those <clears> things <throat> a lot of flack. I can't recall any specific cases for like Amazon or Google Home, mm -hmm. um, but I really do say that these algorithms almost know us better than we know ourselves because they they're showing you everything. They see what you're seeing online, and they can often a lot of times kind of predict what you're gonna see and you know what else you're gonna look up just because of how many data points they already have on you. So it's more about predictions rather than them listening to you at all times. Like I said, there has been some cases. I remember a couple yeah. years ago, there was something with an iPhone, some service mm -hmm. they had running, but I can't recall the specifics right now, so I don't want to say anything um, factually <laughs> incorrect. Yeah, yeah there, there's been some, uh, like John alluded to, there's been some cases where it, it definitely alludes to the fact that they are listening uh, all the time. I mean, if you just think about it, your your Amazon Echo or whatever, um, it has to listen. It has to keep its microphone on to listen for its name, right? And um, I don't think it's ever been like factually proven that it listens to everything. Um, but I mean, it's just always on, so you can't really you can't really say it's not either. Mm. I don't think it's ever been. Uh, I don't Did think I it's ever been brought out either way. A story, I think. Uh, don't quote me on this, but was it LG? Their TVs were caught watching people. <laughs> yeah, what was, was LG or Samsung? Yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah. There was also a, a huge um, hack on. I, I'm not sure if it was LG specifically, uh, but there were some TVs that had the the webcam on it for you know conference calls stuff like that. Yeah, that were, yeah. They I were just left open. Was. There was no security on them, um, so there <laughs> was a there was a bunch of people who were caught hacking into people's TVs and basically watching them um, in their home. I don't know if it was the company that was doing it specifically. Um, I mean, it may have been, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know there was, uh, there was a bunch of TVs that were hacked. See, for me, if it was the company, like what is their point of watching in on people? Like, you know what I mean? Like that just seems so wrong. <laughs> so like, I, I, I don't really think that there's like guys with headphones on at Amazon listening to your Amazon. Yeah. That's not how this is working. So Okay. Like I, I would, I'll put my plug in for open source software. I'm a big proponent for open source software. So if you buy if or not buy, if you download anything that is made by the open source community, which is massive, almost anything you use, there's probably an open source version of it somewhere. Um, Can you explain what open spend. source means? Oh, yeah. So, like, it's source code that's developed by a community. So, for instance, Linux is probably well known. Most Linux distributions, not all, are open source, meaning anyone can review the code. Anyone can see what's in it. Anyone can fact check anything that anyone else says about it. So, okay. like, for security, that's amazing because not everyone knows how to review code. But the mm -hmm. people that do can be like, yeah, I looked at this, and yeah, they're not watching you in your house. Like, Yep. So the security is okay. a lot higher, um, and if they are, they can change the they can change the code and release it themselves. Exactly. Mm, That's cool. okay. I want to mention something. Uh, if you have a Google account, you can go to myactivity.google.com, and you mm. can actually see your searches. It knows what websites you visited. If you use Google Maps, it shows uh, searches you've used yep. looking at the maps. Um, if you ask Google, like, "Hey Google, define this word or whatever," it you can actually hear the sound clips. Um, back. So if you, if you are curious about how much is being collected, um, just go to myactivity.google.com and you can see everything that Google's getting on you. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 
John's deleting stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> really, I frantically. Where you at? That's another question I have, though, is how much stuff that you delete is really deleted? Mm. Oh, I would say almost nothing. Like, yeah, <laughs> everything's everything's replicated across servers. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's yeah, it's a very hard that. question to answer because it's company by company and device by device. Um, yeah, you just you don't know really at the end of the day. Hmm. But even like I looked at something on Google Maps, like I didn't even like search it. I just kind of like zoomed in on the map and it said viewed area around and it named the city and i was like oh wow i'm like this is it, you know it gets it gets creepy like if you people are really concerned i i think you should yeah. look at to understand yeah. the depth of everything but for someone who is not tech savvy and like doesn't understand like what you guys understand <laughs> um that would scare me a lot would just be like, oh my gosh, I only looked at a map. I didn't even like look at a specific place and it knows what I was looking at. To me, that would be like, whoa, they're watching and they're listening in. And again, I have nothing to hide, but like that, that would concern me. Yeah. For the, for the nothing to hide argument, I, I don't like when people use that um, because it's, I, I can't remember who said it, but there was a, there's an individual who said that basically you can antiquate that to like freedom of speech like oh i never leave my house i don't have anything to say so i don't really care if freedom of speech is limited mm. it, it's mm. kind of the same argument and it's yeah. like oh i have nothing to hide so i don't care if people are taking my data it, that's not the issue whether you have something to hide or not is yeah, it doesn't matter people who have something to hide usually put things in place to hide them um the 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 issue is just the principle of collecting that much data on you um, and if the company doesn't have the option to clear that, I find that is an issue. Yeah, that's a so, good point. I, I am more concerned not that a company has it, because companies are going to do things that are in their own good self-interest. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say companies are cynical. I would say that they are selfish, though. That's their job. Mm. Um, I would be more concerned when a government entity has access to this, like the NSA, Correct. CIA, FBI. That yeah. is when I would become concerned about more data privacy rights because I knowingly gave my information to Google. Yeah. I, I understand the terms and conditions. I have a Gmail account. I get it. I'm good. However, I did not also sign it. That way the FBI could have it. That was not my intention when I signed up. Mm. Or the CIA, nor the NSA, nor their you know petabyte storage in Nevada or wherever they have it. <laughs> I like, thought it was Utah. Utah. I mean, like they're they're collecting all this data on all of us, and like you know, we're American citizens. I think that violates our Fourth Amendment right when it comes to a government standpoint, not from a corporate standpoint. So that is the more alarming factor in my mind. Wasn't it put into place though with Bush um, that for after nine eleven that um, these government agencies had more um, resources to look in and watch its people? The Patriot, Patriot Act. Act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you gotta understand now that law is one of the most dangerous breaches of personal privacy ever. Yep. So like, hmm. you know, this is where like writing your congressman and expressing your disdain with that would hmm. be the best thing for this. And like you don't understand like what they're collecting from the the corporate entities that have our data already. They're basically in a back door without ever letting you know, mm -hmm. forcing hmm. them to let them have that data. And like, this is why I really advocate for VPN. I really advocate the Tor network. I really advocate a service that has like a, what is it, a warrant canary? 
That yes. way, if anything ever gets <clears throat> sent to them about your data, you will get notified through a third party. Yep. Hmm. So do you think um, with this data rights issue, do you think it's kind of like a smokescreen for us to be more concerned with companies taking our data and us to forget that the government also has access to all of this information? So, or do you think it's strictly just like people are starting to become more woke, if you will, and they're, they're concerned about companies having it? I think people are becoming more aware um, because for the longest time, like with the government, we didn't know until Snowden actually said something. And then yeah. it came like what the the massive amount like the just the the breadth of all the information like they were tapping into AT&T's like um, backbone and just collecting it straight from there um, but also the companies it, it brings up it just brings up questions on you know should this be okay or will this be allowed and it seems like when it's in the news it gets like it's time but then it dies away and people really don't think about it so I, I really think it's up to the up to the person, you know, to you know write their congressperson or use different privacy advocating software or services, um, and really take the control into their hands. Hmm. And like, this is where I'll put my plug in for like writing your congressman and voting. Like, you know, you can look up there are certain websites, and I'll have to get them and we can post them with the show. But like, there are certain websites where you can find uh, how good your congressman's voted for privacy rights. Um, and they give them a rating from A to F. Um, so that that is fantastic. They also do that for senators and also for all the justices on the Supreme Court as well. Hmm. Um, so it's it's very important that you get out there, you vote, you write your congressman, you be active because these are your rights that are being stripped away. It's not anyone else's. And the government is not going to do anything to stop the tech companies from doing it. The reason is, is because it's also going to stop them in the process. Mm. make laws preventing companies from doing it how are they going to get the data they can now get from the companies yeah, yeah. I, I think the concerning thing is ex uh, especially when the government does this is when they don't go through the proper ways um, like getting a warrant and everything like wiretapping is invaluable to law enforcement especially when you know taking down like organized crime and stuff mm -hmm. like that um, it's when they do it without getting a warrant getting subpoenas from companies you know all that stuff um, yeah. that's where it gets real fishy and they're just doing mass surveillance on everyone like when it's targeted and focused on a certain individual or group because of um, there's reason to believe that they're doing something malicious or illegal then that you know obviously that's fine but and this mm -hmm. is another another issue that gets uh, brought up another argument I guess um, from law enforcement and and certain like three-letter agencies and stuff like that that say oh if you pass these laws and stuff like that it's gonna make it harder uh, for us to catch criminals and I I don't agree with that at all um, either because they're I mean they're still catching criminals right like they still can get a warrant they still can go through the actual processes of, of catching people and bringing people to justice so I I don't think that uh, that that argument is I guess uh, holds any water in the long run so to turn it away from a little bit of the political talk, um, what about when companies that we allow uh, to use our data sell it to other people, um, like other countries? Um, should there almost be something in, is there anything in like the law to prevent that, to protect us? Or is it just because we do sign over, you know, terms and conditions, they have that ultimate right to sell to whoever they want? It seems like there should be a filter at least. 
<clears throat> I mean, none of us are lawyers, but I, so I, I can't speak <laughs> We can to cut the, that, too, if you... I, no, I, I just can't speak to the, like, the legality, but, I mean, if the terms and conditions say that they have full control over what you share, they have mm-hmm. full control over what you share, and basically your, your, um, your hold on your data stops at that point. Um, so, so we can't we, be mad again if they sell it, basically. Exactly. Yeah, basically. I mean, if you're if you're agreeing to the terms and conditions and they're taking your data, yeah, it might be slimy what they do with it, or you may not agree with it, but you, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how their terms and conditions are written. So I can't really say, um, you know, company by company what they actually do with your data. Uh, mm. But, I mean, if you're signing it over, they can pretty much do whatever they want. So. Hmm. And, like, you, you also got to understand, like, money talks. And right now, the money is saying no one cares about privacy because everyone's still using Facebook. Everyone is still using Google. Everyone's still using Instagram and Twitter and all the rest. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're freely giving this stuff away. So the problem is that people, even if they do know, don't give a crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know. I still have a Snapchat, still have a Facebook, still use Facebook Messenger because I honestly, like, I don't care about some things. But I'll be honest, me and John, when we got to do some stuff we maybe don't want nobody to see <laughs> that's that that's oh, truthful Lord. like i i have used tor oh yeah. i use a vpn there are some things i don't want people to see about what i'm doing on the internet that's my right yeah just like in my house i don't want people to know what's necessarily going on in my household that's also my right yep. but people don't necessarily care and i don't like when people are you know, they, they put something on Facebook and they're mad that it's on Facebook. Like, well, you know, like here, here's a big thing. When I was younger, the big thing was, is what happens when high schoolers are sending, you know, naked pictures of each other around? What do we do mm. about this? This was a big issue in my state. Like, do we charge them with child pornography? Like, what do we do? They're underage. Mm. And it's like, well, you're mad because you sent a naked picture over a social media site. And it ends up being posted on that social media site. Like, I think this is all kind of your fault. Like, <laughs> just don't do this in general. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah. There's got to be some individual responsibility at some point, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, their companies have responsibility, but maybe individuals do, too. That's a novel thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, just but to, you I can't was... blame the company necessarily. There's a... The thing is, if they, if they stop... If they stop us from putting some things online, then we're going to say, hey, you're violating our First Amendment. Because right now, people posting on Facebook is kind of like an expression of their speech. Mm-hmm. They're saying this is protected. And this is – there have been court cases over Facebook removing posts, even though Facebook has full right to remove posts. That's their right. It's their platform. They can do whatever they want. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, go make your own platform. Mm-hmm. But people don't do that. So there have been court cases saying Facebook's violating my First Amendment rights. Like since when is Facebook – your speech platform. <laughs> no, I, I do agree with that. I mean, if someone comes into your house and you ask them to leave, they have to leave because it's your private property. They can't say, oh, you're, you know, you're limiting my free movement. That's not, no, you're on their property. So I, I do agree. Whatever you post and share, I mean, this it's out there and it stays there forever. It's replicated on servers and people can copy and paste and take screenshots. Like if you don't want it out there, then don't put it out there. Yeah. So what do you guys think about those um, companies where you can sell your data for, like, money? Are you talking about, like, the survey companies? Yeah, like, what do you think about that? Do you think it's a good idea that people can just mm-hmm. actively, like, make money by selling their own data? If it's already being sold, they can take it into their own hands and, like, make money off of it. Or do you think it's, like, just kind of... 
capitalism. Yeah, I yeah, think if someone wants to fill out a survey and, you know, put their opinion out there and get paid for it, you know, that's yeah. good for you. I, when I was, like, a lot younger and uh, I actually did it, you know, I'd get, like, $5 in PayPal and I'd buy something. <laughs> like, you know. No, I, I agree with that. I would time. rather see that than than just taking data. Um, if people want to sell their data, I mean, that's that's their right to do so. It's theirs, so whatever. Hmm. Interesting. I just I mean, saw it come yeah. up um recently because uh data is like the most valued thing on earth right now and um price far above gold and then i i saw something else saying that like you can sell your own data and i was like oh that's interesting that's a way for people to sit at home and like make a little extra cash <laughs> i'd also like to point out if this wasn't such a big industry all of us making podcasts, all of us making YouTube videos, all of us on Facebook marketplaces would not make nearly no nothing. You would make nothing. Sure. I guarantee you if they passed laws that restricted data privacy that prevented companies from selling it, YouTube AdSense, zero overnight. They're going to stop paying people entirely. Wow. I wouldn't say completely go away. It's just it. They, they make a lot more money because they can hyper-target ads. It, the ads are more effective because they can see where your interests are. Um, mm -hmm. So like before, when the, before the internet got super crazy, there was general ads, and you're like, why am I seeing a Russian singles ad? You know, I'm not interested in that. Um, well, maybe you are interested in it. <laughs> but now they're like, you definitely are. You looked up this last night. You know, well, <laughs> even though like, I own a business, like, and I've looked into I've looked into Google AdSense about putting an ad on Google on YouTube. Holy crap, it's expensive. Like it's almost like back in the 90s when they were buying primetime on CNN when everybody was watching TV it's very similar like how would I how is a small company am I gonna pay 1.1 million dollars worth of ads like there's a reason this stuff is so popular and there are a lot more people benefiting it from it than Google like I guarantee you that entire industry of YouTube artists would just go out the window or they would have to find another way to make money like marketplaces sure. and stuff like that mm -hmm. because most of the money right now comes from AdSense a lot of and th we get the same thing from podcasts we get the same thing from music we get a lot of these different like spotify makes a lot of their money from ads for people who don't have the premium subscription same thing mm -hmm. with pandora that whole business like if they're not able to hyper target they'd have to charge less for the ads and then that would impact all of us so like if you look at it from an economic standpoint you can't really complain yeah i mean like we run a youtube channel i'll be honest with you mm -hmm. We'd like to make some money too. Like if we, if we had that, if any of us could replace PewDiePie right now, we would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would rather I would rather get a a sponsor rather than take money from Google, just personally. But I mean, sure, it is still money at the end of the day. I don't I mean, think I would replace PewDiePie. He seems sad. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I would. I, if anyone could take over PewDiePie's channel right now and get the AdSense money, I think everybody would be like, uh. Whose debt is being sold? Not mine. I'm good with it. Let's go. <laughs> like, what is he still the highest grossing YouTuber? Yeah, he He's makes he makes well over like one and a half million dollars a year just through his platforms. Wow. Like, I don't know if any one of these big top ten YouTubers is more concerned about other people's data. That I mean, it's not their data being sold. They're probably like, yeah, you know, let Ryan sell his data. I don't care. <laughs> So that's why influencers do so well. These companies are able to provide them with their, like, hey, like, we'll sponsor you if you promote us. And then that's where um, those funds are coming from. 
Well, you can look at it on a smaller level. Like if you, you see like a, fin, a fitness Instagrammer, you know, people follow them are generally more interested in fitness. So that's yeah. when, a, a you know, like say a protein powder company or, or some other, some other, like a gym company or something, they'll be like, hey, you know, mention our ad and we'll give you this money. It's because they know that it'll get better reception than if they went to like yeah. a cat Instagram or like buy this protein powder. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the same thing, but just the company's doing it. It's not a bigger scale. Ads. And that's mm. where, um, you know, people are getting all like their panties in a wad. Now, you know, I think that all of this is just another form of marketing. We're, mm. we're, we're talking about the data privacy rights and all this other stuff. Like, do companies have rights to your data? I, I personally believe that anything that's considered private data, like medical data, you know, clearly private data, like your social, you know, your address and stuff like that, I don't think that should be shared with people. I'm mm. a privacy advocate in that sense. But if you go get on Facebook and post that you go to Starbucks every day and they start sending you Starbucks ads, I'm not mad at that. I mean, if you don't like it, get no. on Facebook then. Or the competitor will pay him, like, you know, go to Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, Donuts exactly. or something, you know, random. Yeah. It's the same thing. Hmm. Interesting. I have a practical question. Um, how much good does incognito mode really do you? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Gets rid of cookies at least, like... I was just, like, I swear I have, like, within a matter of minutes after making a search in incognito mode, trying to get better about not putting as much data out there. Actually, you know what? I have another question. Is it data or is it data? <laughs> it's data. Depends it's, on where you're born. Yeah. Is, there's no correct way. It's just wherever I've, you were. I've looked this up on several dictionary sites, and it has it both ways. It says it, it's pronounced both ways. Just like route Whoa. and root. I mean, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Those definitely router, not router. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. That kind of saying like the route, like route 66, like route 66, route 66. It can be pronounced both ways according to like dictionary.com and Merriam-Webster. Sure. Okay. Merriam-Webster's wrong. But yeah, to answer your original question, it doesn't really do much incognito mode. It'll it blocks some of the cookies and stuff like that, but you're still inputting information into a website. Um, so they they can still, I mean, incognito mode, it doesn't, it's not a VPN. It's not a substitute for any sort of actual uh, privacy software or like uh, data mitigation. It doesn't. So basically treat it as a way of just making it not show up in your search history. And that's basically all that's really. Kind of, yeah. It. it it blocks stuff from your device, like it doesn't download some cookies and stuff like that, but it doesn't do anything on the business's end or the website's end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, part of it is, is while it like doesn't keep like your history or the cookies carryover, you still are being tracked. There's something known oh, as yeah. uh, browser fingerprinting, and they can see um, what browser you're using, they can see your screen resolution, they can see uh, if you're running a Windows machine or you're on an iPhone, etc. Um, and there's ways to mitigate. There's certain settings you can do, or there's certain um, add-ons you can do that blocks trackers and removes cookies immediately after you close the tab, stuff like that. And it's really, um, this is a website I mentioned again, privacytools.io has a whole section on how to make your browser fingerprint just kind of blend in with everyone else and not be so specific to you. And there's also sites where you can go on to that will scan your browser to tell you what information they can gather just from you clicking a button. Um, they'll tell you if they can gather, mm-hmm. like, like uh, John said, your screen resolution, what kind of computer you have, 
Um, so they can target you for maybe an upgrade of parts or they can target you for a new laptop, something like that. Um, I would say for most people, if you get a good VPN that is rated well with you know, <laughs> privacy activists and you use Firefox, you'll be just fine. Hmm. Yeah. So can you guys um, explain the difference between trackers and cookies? Like what, in layman's terms, what is the difference? Because <laughs> they sound the same to me. <laughs> this is a John question. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I really don't know a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think how to explain it. These aren't the good cookies. Um. These are the ones that taste bad. <laughs> These aren't grandma's cookies. I know, I always think of like chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, why are they... <laughs> Why are they named cookies? <laughs> well, so a cookies is like this tiny little bit of information. It's essentially like a small text file that gets stored on your computer. And um, when you visit websites, they can see they can see that and like it'll report back like, hey, you know, they went here. And it's, it's useful because like when you log into a website with your password, it puts a cookie on there to say that you're still logged in. So you don't have to keep typing in your password a billion times and mm. stuff like that. So there is okay. actual some functional use, but with that, they can also uh, track different stuff, like um, what other websites you go to, you know, stuff like that. What you add oh. to your shopping cart, that type of stuff. Okay, so if I, like, went on H&M, they would pull my cookies from my device and they, use it? Is that is that on your device. So when you visit a website like that, they put a cookie on your device. Um, that way... It, it just kind of knows, like, say your, your shopping cart, you know, that way it doesn't just delete and, like, poof. Or like, oh, okay. Yes, some of them are useful. Um, some of them are websites just use them. They're, I think they're called acceptable cookies. Is that what I think it's the term? Um, but they're, like, yes. cookies that help the website actually run um, and just kind of quality of life and stuff like that. But there are some cookies, like tracking cookies and stuff like that, that will actually track you around the Internet. And it's basically like, you know, putting a, a tracking device on someone's car and then okay. watching them on maps. Um, so Google like Ads is a good example of a tracker <clears throat> because code Google AdSense code is on tons of websites, yes. pretty much almost all the ads you see. And with that, they can track you across multiple websites. And it's like, oh, you visited this, visit this, and it starts tracking you and kind of builds a profile on you. I'd, so, I'd say that's really the big difference between trackers and cookies. So you can't get like a virus from a cookie because like if you go into incognito mode and they're not like putting cookies like incognito on you. Incognito mode does not block everything though. Oh, okay, but like you can't get a virus from a cookie, can no, you? No, cookies are <laughs> delicious. Um, okay. They're really just little pieces that generally help the website functionality, but they can also like be used to track you and stuff like that. Okay, and so then what is the difference between a cookie and a tracker? Because it sounds still the same to me. Trackers, they pretty much kind of analyze you and they can view you almost a, a, across multiple websites. Um, like I said, Google AdSense, they can see what you do on different websites, a piece of code that's on the website. Where a cookie's more like something that's on the website that helps out that website. It really okay. doesn't uh, carry over the image. Okay. But the trackers do use cookies. I do want to say that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not the same, but they kind of go hand in hand then? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it, it's a little complicated. Like, honestly, I, I kind of got to, you know, look it up and then wrap my head around it. Okay. It's okay, okay Mariah. If I'm being honest, I don't even know why these things even exist. <laughs> That's why I was like, why are they called cookies? Because <laughs> they give them to your browser. Okay. But. <laughs> Is that really why they call it that? I mean, as far as far as I know, I don't know. I don't know the history of. I mean, I if you told me that, the reason I believe cookie, it. If I remember, was to say like it's a little bit of information, so people were like, "Oh, it's like a cookie of information," because like. So like a breadcrumb, like Hansel yeah, like, and Gretel, small like small amount. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was meant to be like, "Oh, it's a sweet for your browser." No. <laughs> Hey, my Keeps the sugar diabetes. up. Don't give me but... <laughs> it does make it sound like it's something friendly, though. Yeah. It's a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got thirty cookies today. Poisonous cookie. <laughs> oh goodness. I think this is a little bit above our pay grade, Mariah. I think we're trying to understand, but we're not allowed. <laughs> On the next uh, episode, networking. <laughs> oh, Router please no. <laughs> we, uh, we recently installed a, um, a video conferencing unit in this office where I work. And for whatever reason, placing the, the calls to make conferencing calls weren't working. We found out it's because our internet router had certain firewalls up. Mm-hmm. And... We were given like extremely specific instructions on what words to say to our internet company to take those firewalls down. And I just failed miserably communicating those, <laughs> those key phrases. I was just like, I do not know what any of this means. I'm writing down as much as I can. I just don't follow. Man, <laughs> you need somebody from IT. Don't feel bad. Yeah. I do this for a living. <clears throat> yeah. You know, sometimes I go into networks where they have seven firewall layer and it's like this one program doesn't work and it's like all right well, let's figure out which one of these 19 firewalls they have installed. <laughs> yeah there's sometimes when we have to sit back and be like wait a minute yeah <laughs> i mean honestly that's kind of the one reasons i i like working in it because it it is like it it's constantly fi- figuring out how things work and and freaking like it's always something else that you don't understand that's come out and you got to relearn everything yeah, because just when you learn something, it's like version 3.7's out. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad I don't work in IT. <laughs> I it's would fun. fail miserably. <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, something that um, has changed my mind recently about marketing is uh i watched the show mad men recently and um before i was always like super against marketing and now i on a practical level even just watching that show i don't even know if it's entirely truthful or whatever but it's just interesting to see how people um like target for companies target specific ads and it's it's really fascinating the way that they like use psychology and like almost use us against ourselves to sell (laughs) products and businesses (laughs) and and this is an age-old process yeah like we're not we're not doing anything different they just found a more effective way of doing it to a larger group of people Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean 
it's just marketing in a higher level area because a lot of the a lot of the data that's sold is sold to marketing companies yeah yeah and I, I would say a lot of people are are a little more scared or wary of uh, like data being collected and, and marketing over the internet just because it is so new even though the internet's been around for a while um, like John said more people are becoming aware of what's actually happening um, so I think a lot of a lot of it is just kind of scary even though it is at its source it's just marketing um, it's just the same thing we've always been doing but it's just kind of scary because a lot of people either don't understand it or they're just coming into contact with it and becoming aware of what's actually going on Mm, uh, Ethan said he just yeah. lost his uh, internet connection. I'm so. back. I'm back. In. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, sweet. Mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. What did this. I miss? Comcast <laughs> was listening. To yeah, we, we changed Ethan's Amazon firewall Echo. settings. And yeah, we, just hacked, <laughs> we just hacked your computer. Comcast heard it on his Amazon Echo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they got offended. Google, Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was like, they're getting too close. Shut them off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, goodness. So on a practical level, I mean, your s suggestions just basically for people like Ethan and I would be read terms and conditions. Um, if you can. You know, if we can. Um, and if we don't understand them, we can turn to specific websites that would help us out mm -hmm. with it, correct? Yes. <laughs> There's even okay. some books, I want to say Michael Bazell, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, he has a great book about like erasing your online presence and you can actually send different letters to these companies mm -hmm. and they have to legally remove your information. Um, just using different services, reading terms and conditions, kind of know what you're getting into, using different software, like if you're really concerned, there's a lot of things you can do to minimize your presence online and make yourself almost invisible. Okay. But again, I mean, if you do even send those like letters to the companies, will they just delete them or will they just move that information like offshore to a different server that you just can't like? You, you don't. Know. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not like a bank account, you know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna move it to our server in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've heard that people do that, so I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> Well, yeah, I gotta delete my server in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> With good faith, most of these companies will follow through. Obviously, there's no way of really ever knowing unless you're inside. Okay, okay, but I guess, like, I guess the best oh, way to know, become a 2035 presidential candidate and ever all of your online history will come out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on a, on a practical level, I think a lot of people get mad at the companies and turn to the companies. Um, one of the reasons that, that I would see is they don't know how to do it themselves. Yeah. Um, so they turn to the company and they're like, why are you collecting this data and selling it? When yeah. they don't know that they can do this on their end as well. Because, um, I mean, we all know the government moves slow. And to make these laws, like, I mean, the Internet's been out for how long? And now this is just becoming, like, an issue that Congress is looking at. So, like, yeah. if you want to do things yourself, like we said, uh, privacytools.io, um, get a good VPN, a reputable VPN. Don't get freaking Tunnel Bear or some crap like that. Um, <laughs> like, get an actual good VPN. Like, I use ExpressVPN. Um, they're pretty good. We're not sponsored by them. 
Um, I was going to say. <laughs> no, we have no affiliate. We're, we're not sponsored by anyone. We're poor. Um, not that but, we want to disparage Tunnel Bear. Well, no, they're trash. They're yeah, trash. they're trash. Yeah. Um, uh, don't, like, don't use, uh, like, certain messaging apps, stuff like that, if you don't want your information to get out there. WhatsApp? Yeah, WhatsApp is trash. Don't use WhatsApp. Okay, okay. Can I stop you right there? What yeah. does a VPN do for an average user? Like, why is it important... Why do you keep mentioning VPNs? So, so VPNs are important in two aspects. One is the ISP. Um, the ISP can see everything that goes over. They're the one providing the internet to you, and they can see all the traffic. But what a VPN does is it, it creates an encrypted tunnel and routes it to a server that the VPN controls and then lets it go to the internet. So this is also good, um, not because you're ISP, but if you're safe, you're at Starbucks and someone else is on the Wi-Fi. There are different ways you can go out go about and see everything that's going over the Wi-Fi connection. Yep. Um, so it prevents like man in the middle attacks. It, you know, ensures that you're actually getting what you're looking for and not going to a fake website pretending to be Facebook, you know, um, VPNs are just, it's just an encrypted tunnel that makes sure no one else is snooping in on your information. But you, you need so to... it's not like the invisibility cloak from like Harry Potter or something. I mean, kind of. Is it? Okay. <laughs> I mean, they can, oh. <laughs> see, they can see the data moving through the network. Yeah. But if someone was using, like, a program like Wireshark or something like that to be able to see, like, information on a network, they'll be able to see information going through, but they won't be able to see what the information is. Okay. Okay. They just know it's something. Yeah. You need to make sure, though, you're picking a reputable VPN because if you pick a bad one, like VPN Hub or something like yes. that, or Tunnel Bears, since we're going to talk around about <laughs> it, oh my word. what you're doing is is you're basically tunneling all your traffic that the ISP would see, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. I would trust a lot more than Tunnel Bear, to Tunnel Bear. That way they can see all of your stuff instead of your ISP. Yes. So pick a reputable one. ExpressVPN has been audited like twice or three times now i mean someone can correct me on that. i'm not sure but they've been third party audited and they let someone in and mm. they basically looked at all their security measures and said yeah express vpn is actually doing what they say they're doing mm. um you know a lot of the other vpn companies are basing their setups off of express vpn so not that we're sponsored by them but i mean we might as well get a check now we keep bringing them up so. <laughs> there's other good ones out there if you don't want the one we keep plugging i guess you can look up molvad or Pro- proton vpn those are also been independently audited if you're really concerned about your privacy you can pay them with bitcoin like yep. there's different they have you can even use the tor website to download it so that even they don't know where you're at originally yep. okay Stuff like that yeah so what is a uh tor browser then <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, <laughs> we don't. I can. I can get rid of that if you want. No. Oh, we can talk about it if you want. I mean, just that's a that's a rabbit hole. It's an extensive oh, okay. subject. Oh, okay. All right. Basically, I was just trying to get basics. On the <laughs> no. So basically, the the onion router was uh, developed by the Navy, and it basically intertwines everyone's information um, to where you're going, and it makes your information hop between like multiple servers. So it basically just mixes up your internet traffic with everyone else's. So it's very hard to track. Um, and and then, it's encrypted. And it's so encrypted everyone's place. everyone's like information is going into like a pot basically, basically for like yes. soup. And it's then like they you... just see the soup. They don't see where it came, like all the ingredients came from. Yes. Right? It's yeah, like the reason they call a... it the onion is because it goes through multiple layers. So it'll get sent to one server and then it gets sent to another one and then it gets to another one. So they don't know the original destination 
Because normally when you go to Google, they're like, oh, you're in Salt Lake City, Utah, you know. Um, yeah. But where the onion router can sh pop you up, you know, across the globe and it makes it yep. just harder for you to track. There's other um, tweaks they've done to the Firefox browser to help limit cookies and um, different fingerprinting techniques mm -hmm. that we were talking about. And it's it's overall a lot more secure than uh, normal browsers. Are just like that. going through Google or something yes. and looking up. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just opening up Internet Explorer or something. Like, <clears throat> that's trash. And that's exactly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Internet Explorer. No, um, <laughs> not Internet Explorer. That's too slow. But like, I'll just go on the Internet by, you know, oh, using Google. I was about to like, come on. You know? We got <laughs> to fix you guys' whole podcast. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> It's, a, it's probably worth mentioning, though, I think we said this before we started recording. Uh, you guys were saying that Firefox is the best browser to use as far as, like, keeping your, your data private. I would say yes, because it is open source, and um, Mozilla has recently done a lot of privacy stuff. Like, they have, they limit some trackers and different things like that by default, where Google's own, Google Chrome is owned by Google, and they're already right. selling your data to everyone. Right. Yep. So, you know, there's some questionability if how how private you really are using Google. Conflict of interest, yeah. Hmm. Yes, and Firefox also allows a bunch of add-ons that you can uh, install yourself that would kind of enhance um, your privacy online as well. Okay. okay. And let's caveat, it's the best publicly available, you know, most commonly used privacy browser. Correct. I'm sure you can find one that's better yeah, we could mention works. stuff like Brave or Tor, you know. Yeah, but, but we don't live in our mother's basement. We have better things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. so practical levels, you can use VPNs, Tor browsers, um, looking into terms and conditions. Um, incognito mode really doesn't do a whole lot for you no. in terms of Internet security and data protection. Um, and writing to your congressman about like your privacy or your data privacy um being important to you as an individual um anything else on a practical level i mean like i know iphones they use uh they have a vpn option on there i haven't explored it at all but like is that worth looking into as well like if your if your uh, devices offer that should you use that or should you just choose your own like VPN services I would say choose something that um, that's not choose something that is independently audited I'm not too familiar with the iPhone feature but a lot of these VPNs offer mobile apps that will a VPN your whole device when you have it turned on and stuff like that okay it's just basically who you trust you have to look okay. into who actually owns it and if they've been audited before if they've released information when uh, when asked by like a subpoena or something like that and what information they did um, yeah like some VPN companies they'll just release everything that they have and some yeah. VPN companies that don't actually store your data will just give them the IP of their server and say okay what what else do you want this is all we have on this person mm. so like you just kind of have to look at um, like who you're gonna trust okay and there, there are a lot of VPN providers that if someone comes snooping and asking questions about your traffic, they will notify you even though they've been gagged. Mm -hmm. So they use a service called a warrant canary. You can look that up on your own. Um, okay. They'll let you know that someone's asking. Yep. Okay. 
Are there any websites that you guys um, know off of the top of your heads about just an average user being able to go and like find out more information about data, data privacy and such? Or like I said, privacytools.io, it really covers everything. It, there's different, it even mentions different social networks that aren't widely known that protect your privacy. It mentions browsers, operating systems, um, different programs. Like that website, I would say, is really the, the, you know, the stepping point. It talks about these trackers and different ways to mitigate them. It talks about browser fingerprinting. A lot of the stuff we covered is on privacytools.io. Mm -hmm. okay. It's really just a great way to get your feet wet and kind of start understanding and open your eyes to what is out there and what's available to you. Yeah, and awesome. they, they explain everything on the website as well of what, like what DNS They is. recommend different VPNs that have been audited yeah. and have no logging policies and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And again, okay. we're not we're not sponsored by anyone. This is just stuff, anything we mentioned in the episode is just stuff that we've used personally and we like. Okay. Um, stuff that we we would trust personally. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's um, all of my questions. <laughs> yeah, I think we've reached the end of our time. Um, can you guys, for the audience uh, who might be interested, once again plug your guys's podcast? Yeah, so we, we are um, the Device Casting Couch. A um, little bit of play on words there. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, we're on Spotify, CastBox, YouTube. Uh, if you look us up, we can obviously throw a link in the description or whatever for our, yeah. uh, for our sites. Um, but yeah, we just go over just anything tech, basically, we discuss. Um, anything from you know entertainment side or just comedy side of tech all the way to uh, current hacks that are happening or... Um, um, you know, just current privacy software and stuff like that. Any updates to them that are coming out? Um, we just kind of discuss anything uh, technology related or, or uh, data security related. Cool. And I really like that you guys are comedic through your podcast, like because <laughs> it could be really dry talking about yeah. all of this, but you guys are quite funny. Also, <laughs> I was saying to Ryan earlier, I appreciate that you guys do take the time to actually explain things to people who don't, aren't in tech. <laughs> um, I, I can actually follow most of what you guys are talking about, so I appreciate that too. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of our main focuses because um, there's a lot of podcasts out there who just focus on tech and they only use you know acronyms and stuff like that. And people who aren't in the IT field wouldn't understand what's going on. Um, so we wanted to be able to make it to where anyone could listen to it and kind of glean some knowledge of how to actually protect their data or any hacks that are going on so that they can, you know, uh, proactively start uh, protecting themselves. Be uh, so we, yeah, exactly. So we wanted to make it as general as, as possible just to get as much information, useful information out to people as possible. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, guys. We really appreciate you. No worries. It was oh, yeah. fun being here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, bye. <laughs> bye. All right, that was the Device Casting Couch. I uh, hope you enjoyed that and learned a lot. And uh, I think that's all we have to say from here. Peace out, bitches. Bye. Bye.